0: potadelphia my name is dave diorio you can find me on twitter at fat lobster, and i am joined by two guys who are also wearing their red shirts for sundays what's up chuck and gene
1: hey dave uh this is chuck Siders. you can find me on twitter at chuck Siders. you can find the show at potadelphia and i am literally wearing red this is not just a tiger woods reference i am literally wearing red you literally are Th- I'm way too excited about that. Gene. <laughs> and this is Gene z
2: You can find me at Producer Gene on Twitter. And uh, I did have my red on all day long. I put it on for Tiger this morning. Uh, although, I got to admit, I was kind of pulling for Bubba Watson as things kind of came down to it.
0: Um, so, yeah, let's talk we- about Tiger Woods for a second. Were uh, <laughs> Were you – you- Gene, you said you, you you were you were rooting for Bubba. You weren't pulling. Were you pulling for Tiger at
2: the end? No, I was. I I mean, as much as I have tried over the years to shake my sort of Tiger fandom, there really isn't anything that I like more than watching Tiger intimidate people when he's playing with them. Um, so, just that kind of old vintage Tiger, you could literally kind of see people. The pressure still gets them, like the I'm playing with Tiger, he's a living legend kind of thing. Even though he hasn't really been that guy for a decade, I feel like it's almost like suddenly like a legend is kind of like reemerged and people literally kind of felt them kind of psychologically wilt under the pressure that Tiger is so good at sustaining through. Um, so, I mean, that's one of those things that I've I've always been fascinated by. I feel like golf is a better thing to watch. It's more of a television event when he's in contention. I feel like the last 10 years, there've been a lot of great golfers, but none of them have the same kind of, you know, blockbuster kind of, uh, put butts in seats kind of thing that Tiger has. And, and, you know, I get caught up in it too. Uh, I do have like other favorites now, you know, when I first started following golf in the early part of the year it was like tiger was the only guy i knew but now i know a lot of the different guys a lot of guys i like i like their games and uh but i was excited to see tiger pull it out it was nice to see it actually kind of complete you know
0: well for those of you who listen to the show regularly you may hear uh, a difference in my sound quality um and that is because i am actually uh, on vacation at the Sinesta Resort in uh, on Hilton Head Island. So I am deep, deep, deep into golf country. And I can tell you that the bars here uh, were packed watching not only this round, but early round Masters. Um, and today in particular, obviously it being the final round, um, it was very much a house divided. Uh, those who were rooting for Tiger were – really really rooting for tiger and those who weren't were really upset at the people who were and i, I mean i would say it was probably like an 80 20 split of the people who were rooting for tiger chuck where do you fall on that do you, did you personally want to see tiger win today
1: uh i did i did um he he came onto the scene with you know such fanfare and lived up to all of the hype and he was going to set every record in golf and then fell short of that. And then all of his personal problems, which these are big quotes, personal <laughs> problems. This is not like, oh, you know, you know, Tiger had some family issues. Tiger was the root of all of his personal problems. So, like, this is not giving the man a pass, but um, for him to stick around, for him to come back and. Tiger Woods on a Sunday, you know, wearing that red golf shirt and just sticking around, there really is something notable about it. It's like watching Jordan. It's like watching Federer. This is something that, you know, we're going to tell our grandkids about. It is crazy, though, that someone
0: who, I mean, was just so reprehensible and despicable, has gone from being, I, I don't know, universally beloved to uh, universally, you know, maligned to back to where everyone wants to see him to succeed. Like, most people want to see him succeed again. And I'm part of that group. Like, I wanted to see Tiger win. I don't know why. I just <laughs> did. Um, the, the 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 guy standing next to me was like, Oh, I don't want Tiger to win. He's like, anybody but tiger. And I'm like, Well, it's good for the sport. It gets everyone excited. He's like, No, I want to see what some of the younger guys winning.
2: That would get people excited. That's not true, buddy. It never has. That's the, not true. Here's the here's the the, the thing about all of you know. There's been ten years basically where he's kind of been irrelevant. It's been eleven years since his last Masters, and I think is that the, true? Yeah, eleven it's been years. 11 year, no, wow. it's eleven years since his last major. It's longer than that since his last. I think Masters. it's
0: thirteen since his last. Yeah,
2: but it's insane. it's one of those things when you watch somebody who was literally at, at 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 the peak of his powers. He was the best at anything that there. I mean, uh, maybe of anybody on the planet. Like I don't know if there was anybody on the planet as good as what they did as Tiger Woods was at golf. He literally. Could, could was beating everybody handily the whole planet there was nobody who was better at what he did than um than tiger was at golf and then to fall to the point where 2 years ago he was saying i may never play golf again my my health is that bad he had to have his spine fused and relearn the game and to see him go from somebody and to a certain degree i feel like that was karma that was you know your personal issues have kind of you know it was like Samson getting a haircut you know he he literally went to the point where he could not play the game anymore and he had to atone for a lot of what he did in order to get back to where he was so you know there's kind of a it's it's like the hero's journey as they say if you if you follow literature it was kind of cool <laughs> to kind of watch him sink to the bottom of the uh, of the of the barrel and have to drag himself back up and and kind of slay the dragon that to me you know. That's an exciting story, and I like the idea of 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 a hero being able to reemerge.
1: See, I'm almost with you, but, like, George Lucas has ruined Hero's Journey so uh. much for me. Now that I'm thinking of, like, you say Hero's Journey, and all of a sudden I'm envisioning Luke Skywalker with, like, prostitutes and infidelity and a DUI, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch that next movie. Um, But, no, I'm with you, Gene, and it's very similar for me in that I wasn't a huge fan when when he was on the top of the world I wanted to see how many things he could win when he fell off and we heard about you know you know the infidelity and the prostitutes and the everything and the DUIs it was like all right this guy's a disgrace and then to come back and do it again and after the you know, you talked about uh, the spinal surgery. I didn't know that. I always knew he had, like, a knee issues.
2: He had the same but... surgery that Steve Kerr had, and Steve Kerr literally couldn't stand.
1: Yeah. Wow. And, and to come back and win a Masters, come back and, you know, compete at the highest level once again, I do want to see that. You know, I, I'm not saying he's a good human being, but he's... Perhaps the greatest golfer of all time, and to keep going. And I keep thinking of Roger Federer, who is, you know, pretty much a golden boy, and, you know, his reputation is fairly spotless. You know, the fact, you know, his last Wimbledon win, you know, the fact that these guys can play on past their quote unquote prime, it's inspiring. It's something to watch. It's why we watch sports. It's that. It's that drama of the can this person or these people overcome the odds and, and keep on to win? You guys so, all
0: say very eloquently that Tiger became the underdog again, and now everyone wants him to, everyone wants him to win. I don't right? know like, if it was it, like
2: that so much that Tiger. I mean, he did become the underdog, but. Tiger at 100%. I don't know that anybody – and this is the rare time in sports. Generally, if I'm watching two neutral teams, I'm going to root for the underdog. Tiger is the rare thing in sports. Even when he was dominant, he's the he's the only time I root for the favorite. Uh, it, and maybe that's a bit of my father coming out of me because my father, other than Gonzaga, the other thing he loves is the <laughs> the
1: the. Uh, e-
0: that's like the one thing that people who listen to this podcast take away about Gene's family is, is
1: like that Gene's my dad, dad loves, loves Gonzaga. Gonzaga for some reason. <laughs> it, it's a drinking game now. Right. It it really is. Every time I
2: bring up Gonzaga, everybody chug, finish their beer. Um, <laughs> no, the other thing that my father loved was he loved dominated heavy heavyweight fighters, and he loved Muhammad Ali, and he also loved Mike Tyson. Also, guys who may or may not have had. You know, Crystal Sterling uh, reputations, but he loved to watch guys at the peak of their physical condition knock people out. Uh, and my dad <laughs> doesn't like golf, but I imagine that's a pretty good comparison. Was watching Ali in his prime knock people out uh, is probably like watching Tiger Woods. And and Ali had a similar thing. He was gone, he came back, and was able to to, to you know regain the title. You know, maybe that's kind of the, the one thing in these individual sports. I like to see greatness. I like to watch a guy, um, you know, come back and, you know, become the greatest again. I also, just to, to, to prove my point, uh, rooted very hard for Michael Jordan when he came back uh, to the Bulls after going to play baseball for a while. Uh, I remember actually trying to watch the Bulls pretty much every weekend that year and rooting very heavily for that Bulls team to win the title. Uh, the Sixers were terrible, so I needed something to watch uh, as far as basketball is concerned. But uh, it was the same kind of thing. I I, I like watching people who are the best at what they do crush other people.
0: Gene, that's a good transition because I want to transition to basketball now. But uh, before we do, Chuck, I have a bit of trivia for you. Okay. Um, Gene already knows the answer to this, but I I mentioned earlier that I was recording from the hotel, um, and I was not able to record in my room because my family is in there sleeping. Um, So... Where would you go in a resort at 11 o'clock at night that you would have access to power and quiet
1: power and quiet 11 o'clock at night in a resort. I'm not going to say the gym or uh, the workout facilities because people can come into there. Uh Like a kitchen, like a breakfast area. Oh, Dave is panning. He is in the gym. Ah. Oh! Nobody working out right now. So people don't work out like late at night when they're on vacation. Guess not. As someone who works out never, you know, I I had no idea. Uh, Okay, so uh, the
0: Sixers played a playoff basketball game on Saturday afternoon. Did they? Playoff basketball game happened on Saturday afternoon that the Sixers were a participant in where were one of the teams involved <laughs> much better. <laughs> well, I know Jimmy Butler participated in a, uh, in an NBA playoff game uh, this weekend, but very few of his teammates uh, decided to join him. Uh, Sixers got absolutely run out of the gym uh, by the Brooklyn nets. Um, and that was
2: tough to watch. Oh, it was, it was brutal. And I watched uh, the other thing that I, I have a complaint about I hated the timing of this game, oh yeah, uh, two o'clock on a Saturday in the spring. It's one of the first really really nice days uh to people that can get out like I had stuff that had to get done i had I had stuff around my house that had to get done i had I had things I had to do uh I'd run and and do some things you know so i i mean i I admit it, and maybe you know maybe I lose my sixers fandom card, but uh I taped it. I watched it on delay. I, I had to, I, I wasn't going to burn my, my whole afternoon. Uh, so I watched it like at four thirty on delay. Um, but yeah, I could tell
0: from the group chat, I was the only one in there talking to myself.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> I, I, I should have given you a heads up so that you were, you weren't so lonely, but, uh, yeah, no, I came. And then of course, then I've come back and I wanted to, I wanted somebody to talk to as this is happening and, and it's already been over for four hours. So it was hard to kind of re- recap, but, um, yeah, no, it was it was a hard game to watch because honestly, you kept kind of being like, at least through the first half, I was like, well, it, you know, it it's it's not great, but they're just you know, it can't stay this bad. JJ Redick isn't isn't this guy. It, it can't stay this bad, um, and they it, it they just never figured it out. It,
0: yeah, I mean, all right, so Embiid, let's talk about Embiid for a second because he was a last minute addition to the starting lineup.
2: He looked heavy. Yeah he looked slow. Do you think that it would have been better had he just not gone? Probably. Probably. But the
0: downside of that is anytime Bobon was in there, they could not they couldn't defend. They couldn't defend the pick and roll. No. Uh at all. No, I mean uh, I thought quick, that... have the Sixers
1: ever played well without Embiid there? Like I, I Well don't... not this season. <laughs> no. Like this season, anytime Embiid's not been there, it's been Okay, this game doesn't count. Like the the big guys, you know, down like, are we'll phone this one in.
0: I mean, they've played well. I mean, the Timberwolves game where they they won without Embiid, they actually looked That's pretty true. good. Um, but they have so, to I mean, play they, a very different do style
2: do to do that.
0: I mean, yeah, they could do it. And Embiid not being there, uh, you know, let's Ben play low. Yeah. Uh, and but I mean, that means Ben has to give up the point, which you know we know
2: Ben doesn't like to do. Um, the problem so, we had this in this game was you, you had Embiid have a, you know, he, I have to say he did tough it out. You know, he still got to the line. He still found a way to score. I thought he looked better on defense than he did on offense, honestly. Uh, well, the
0: best – they looked great in the first quarter. I, I mean, I watched the first quarter, and I thought, oh, yeah, this is going to be bad news for the Nets because they couldn't defend him. No. They were putting him to the line every time he went up for a shot. Uh, you know, their shooters were getting in foul trouble because they, you could, no one could defend and beat.
2: No, you had to uh, just foul him.
0: And then again, it's just we get away from that. And I, I get it, man. That's a tough way to play. Like, if that's your game, uh, to go in there and just take that beating time after time after time. And he usually does it. Um, but, yeah, this injury is, is a serious, serious concern because if he's not in there for, I don't know, 38 minutes at least – we're in trouble.
2: Well, and it's it's not like we haven't given him rest over the last two months. So I that, get it, man. But if he can't, that's the other thing that I'm concerned about is they're, they're, this is not going to improve between now and the end of the, you know, what I mean, like this is the hardest point of the season. People are going to play you more physically than they did in the regular season. There's no you have a couple days between games, but there's no real chance to rest like Embiid may not be back to 100 percent until next year.
0: So and like, you know what? And if if Embiid can't go, like I get it, man, dude's a warrior, and I know he wants to be in there every play, every game. Um, and but if he can't, yo, still it's the Nets and their best players, D'Angelo Russell, and so we have three players that should be better than him on our team. We should still have the three best players on the floor, even There's without no Joel Embiid. Yeah, even There's without no Joel. There's no excuse,
2: Ben. Come on, bro. Where are you? What, we need you, man. What happens to him in the playoffs? This is the same thing that happened in the Celtics series. He 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 just does not want to shoot. He just does not want him, to shoot.
0: I, I've seen him dial in on those free throws, and, and he can do it. I just don't know what's going on. But, man, take over,
2: dude. You can take over this. You can take over this series. Or find another way to score. You know, the thing, the, when you have Ben not being able to to do the things that he, I guess, likes to do, when you have Tobias Harris give you what? Seven points? Did he have that many? Uh, and you have JJ Redick, basically invisible. I think uh, JJ gave you five points. Yeah, five points and a foul out. Yeah, I think between uh, did you have twenty points between the three of those guys? That you can't have that. Uh, you know when and uh, Jimmy Butler to his credit, I felt like Jimmy Butler was the best player for the Sixers the whole game. Uh, a lot of people were critiquing Jimmy Butler that they were worried that well, you know he takes. Whole, you know, three quarters off, and then just shows up in winning time. Um, I felt like Jimmy Butler played a complete game on Saturday, and if that's the Jimmy Butler we're going to get every game, th- that's the guy I want. That's the guy you you traded. You know, all those. If Jimmy j- didn't play, it would have been Nets by a thousand. It would have been Nets by a, a thousand and two. Yeah, he was he was the best player. He was, and he was had so much emotion too. He was he was yelling at the refs and and yelling at the other players. He was the one that I felt like you know i would have said the the sixers looked like they didn't care but the, and and to a certain degree they looked like they didn't care except jimmy butler cuz he looked like he cared a lot
0: and there was a lot a lot of Olay defense uh, going on in that game where we our, our defenders were just straight up turn styles uh, and i don't know if it's just the nets are more athletic they're faster whatever Uh, but they were just blowing by our defenders. We couldn't stay in front of them. And until the fourth quarter, uh, I noticed in the fourth quarter, Embiid started to help uh, on those like D'Angelo drives. Uh, And we started to have a little success with that. But where is that the whole game? Like you have, we're so fixated on running guys off the three point line. And I get the nets are a good three point shooting team and they shot great, especially in the first half uh, on Saturday. But it can't you be can't the... let them just like, like they said it in the telecast. Like when someone is driving, their first thought is to score. It's like, it's like f- when you're at, when you're at bat, right? Time it off the fastball, adjust to everything else. Right. Stop the drive uh, because it's a very high percentage shot for crying out loud. Right. Like I don't know, uh, and Brett needs to be held accountable for what's going on on that court.
1: That, Here, that's why is just going to ask. There's been a lot of Brett Brown criticism last season and more so this season, and it's been kind of building. How much of this game – how much of this season when we've come up short are you guys putting on him?
0: I I mean, look, there's been a debate uh, raging on Sixers Twitter all year long about players play, you know, the coach can't make these guys hit shots. But from what my eyes see is continual mental lapses, uh, sloppy play, uh, and, you know, a lack of a coordination. And, like, it doesn't seem like everyone's pulling on the same chain. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm not going to X and O it out, but just looking at the product, my eyeball tells me this team needs a coaching change.
2: They they need uh, to do I something. I, I mean, a lot of people want to uh, – if, if you don't want to the, – the non-fire Brett Brown crowd kind of want to lay the blame on a lack of continuity, that they haven't had time to gel, that they haven't had time to play together. There may be some truth to that, but, but honestly, I, I haven't really seen, like, that flash of, like, this is how it should look. I, I don't know if if that was something that the coach needed to when he, all these pieces came together he needed to sit down and be like okay now i have these this new set of 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 players i need to to play to their strengths and i think that what brett brown can be held accountable for is there seems to be a real lack of discipline Uh, On this team, and especially down the stretch, you could see when the players were locked in and felt that the stakes were high, that they would play a very different game. Like every
0: time they played the Bucks,
2: when they played the box, that that game against the Celtics, where they finally got that, you know, that off their back. Uh, You know, there were games where they would they they wanted the game more. It was more important to them. But look at them when they play Atlanta. Atlanta is not a playoff team. They're not. Well, they are not even so, in the playoffs. Do so you think now?
0: You think now they're going to realize that you're in the goddamn playoffs and the Nets are for real? We said on this podcast multiple times that the Nets were the team that we didn't want to see. That's the team I didn't want to see. And now we got them going. You know, getting into the playoffs. We want Philly. Uh. We want Philly. Now they're a bunch of cowards and deleted it off the Twitter account or the Instagram account. Um, but it's still out there. And yeah, you know what? I want Philly too because if the options are playing the Bucks, playing the Raptors, playing Philly, or playing
2: the Celtics, yeah, I'd want Philly. Right. Give me <laughs> give give me Embiid on one leg. That's the that's yeah, the draw I give want me too. Embiid on one leg. Give me Ben who's afraid
0: to shoot. Give me Tobias Harris who obviously can't rise up to a moment. Now listen, I'm going to reserve judgment until the playoffs are off. Until the playoffs are over, uh, before I'm on the fire Brett Brown bandwagon uh, because. You know, look, there's still time. Um, they're they have superior talent over the Nets. They should still win this series, and the odds are still uh, heavily in the Sixers' favor. But if they win, to if they
2: lose on Monday night, uh, I mean, it may be a wrap. Here's here's my question: Have we seen the Sixers' best game this year? Do you think have we seen at any point this year what is the A game for the Sixers, or do you think that? there is still like an A game that they've left on the table that we could see in the playoffs.
1: Is Embiid healthy? <laughs> like that's the question.
2: I, yeah, it, I guess that's it.
1: And and I, I'm coming from like, I am the basketball novice. You know, that's a nice way to put it. I'm the basketball novice, but I know we haven't seen the starting five altogether. And, you know, that was the hope for the playoffs is going to be all of our best players on the court together, you know, taking it to the other team. But Embiid's hurt, you know, and he's he's the straw that stirs the drink, man. Like he he as Embiid goes, so go the Sixers. And I I've loved Jimmy Butler, you know, say what you want, um, you know, other teams, national media can say what they want. I love Jimmy Butler. But. But Embiid is the Sixers right now. And if he's not healthy, then I I don't know who the hell we're beating.
2: I think that we saw on Saturday Brooklyn's best game. And if they play that four more, three more times, they win this series. What our job is now is we have to keep them from playing that game any more times in this series. Like, all right, that's your best punch. We know what it looks like. We know we can. You know, we know what it feels like. We, now they've got a counterpunch. Now we've got to come out. That's the nice thing about a series, honestly. You know, this is unlike football, where if if, yeah. if if we had if we had to take that, you know, if you know, on one Sunday you can come out and 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 the Eagles can lay forty points on the Vikings. You know, so that's the the the, the thing about uh, every other sport basically is. Now you've got a series and now I and and I feel like the Sixers did not come in here ready to play this game. They didn't mentally do the reps they needed to do to be ready to play this game. I mean, look, there were people on the bench who were clearly distracted, literally taking phones out of their pockets distracted in the middle of a playoff game when you're down uh, like that's a team to me that's not mentally ready for the playoffs can you imagine alan iverson and aaron mckee uh checking checking their phones in 01 can you imagine that
1: so i all can right. totally imagine alan you, iverson checking you, his phone in one but still
0: do you believe the story right so what is the story that came out amir johnson's uh, daughter was very ill um and he got notification i guess there was something that a, a development or maybe new information came through, um, about his daughter. That's the story. Yeah. Um, and I guess he wanted to show Joel and Embiid the information. That's,
2: uh, that's what I've heard. Yeah.
0: Now I have employees at work who will say, Dave, um, I'm waiting for a call from the doctor. May I have my phone out on my desk? And I will always say, yes, you absolutely can uh never once have i seen that employee check their phone and then have to show their coworker the text <laughs> that came through uh about their doctor so i don't know like to me it's like i think something slid into Amir Johnson's DMs and he wanted to share that with Joel
2: here's my my other question is an nba team has got a whole arsenal uh a whole a whole army basically of attendants um There isn't a trusted member of that crew that you can't that Amir Johnson can't hand him the phone and be like, look, man, here is my text messages from my wife. If something comes through about my daughter, because he wasn't even I don't there was no he wasn't going to play. So, you know, can you just let me know? I'll come back to the locker room or can you you know, can you just can you come up and talk to me and let me know what's going on so that I'm not in my yeah. phone? Because nobody would have said anything if some guy, you know, with a towel on his shoulder comes up right. and like whispers in his ear. Uh, yeah, that's
0: thing- not cool. And you got to realize you're on national television uh, all the time. The cameras are always on you. They're going to they're
1: going to pick up on stuff like that. We'll drop the national television thing because the two points that you guys have made have, have turned me around completely. Because I've been that guy at work whose family, who's, you know, Dave and I both have kids. Uh, Gene is lucky enough not to. Um, <laughs> but I- I've been that guy at work going, like, oh, I'm pretty sure my daughter was running a fever when I dropped her off. Like, not extreme one, but I'm a little worried and like checking my phone. You know what I've never done? I've never gone. Yep. Katie threw up at school today. Who wants to see the text? Right. Like no, yeah, I've never done that. And and if it were something extreme, like I've been in meetings like at work. Like, I've been like big meetings. I've been regular regular old meetings and I covertly check my phone when I'm worried about one of the kids being sick or whatever the case may be, you know, be it a big illness or a small illness, whatever. I try to check it covertly and you guys have completely turned me around because if I, in my, you know, little workaday life can be like chill about one of my family members being sick, or if, even if it was serious and I have to leave, I'm not going, hey, look at my phone. Yep. Yeah, they're taking my wife to the hospital, man. You got to check this out. Like, no, I'm not doing that. So, And I, and that's the thing.
2: I don't know. I, I, from everything I understand about Amir Johnson, he is a consummate professional. Like, this is not some guy who's a, a discipline problem. He's not some, you know, he he's a guy that comes to practice and comes to a game and does his job. I've heard no other... Information that gives us any inclination, you know, inclination that he's anything but that guy. Uh, my my point, I guess, to why this is relevant to this team and, and the problem is, if that team is mentally in the place where it needs to be to beat the Nets, there is no way that Joel Embiid slides over next to him and peeks down at his phone because he would have been so locked in mentally into the game. It doesn't matter what Amir Johnson, who's not going to play, is doing. He don't yeah. give a fuck about Amir Johnson and his kid because all all Joel Embiid cares about is killing the Nets. That's all. That's the only thing on his mind.
1: Was that Gene's first F-bomb on the show? It might be.
2: I think
0: it was. It, yeah. Good job, Gene.
1: Yeah, yeah thank I pick you. Welcome to the club. I pick my spots.
0: <laughs> um, so look, are the Sixers gonna go three for twenty-five from three pointer from three point land um ever again in this series? They better not. Um, probably not. Is uh JJ Reddick gonna go two for seven um again in this series? You know. Probably not. Is Tobias Harris going to go two for seven in the series? You know, probably not. So did did we get Brooklyn's best game, and did we get the Sixers' worst game of the series that happened on the same night and it just happened to be game one? Yeah, maybe. Probably. I, I hope so.
2: I really do. I really hope that that was Brooklyn's best game because I feel like we're better than that. I really believe that we're better than that.
0: I just think that there's a lot more um, – I mean, obviously we're going to have to pay attention to what happens tonight, Monday night. Um, But I think that there's still reasons to be optimistic that we're going to at least advance from this round. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, gentlemen. uh, I am going to uh, take off now and get back to my vacation. I will be back to join you for uh, the penalty box at the end of the show, but I will leave it to you, very capable individuals to handle the Phillies and Flyers portion of today's episode. So
2: All thanks, right,
1: we'll see you at the penalty box. Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, Chuck, I, I
2: hope you didn't have a lot to do today because if you were watching the Phillies, that pretty much ate up most of your afternoon. It was a 14-inning thriller. Uh <laughs> a thriller? Really? It was <laughs> one run baseball for each team for uh for a while. Um I, I gotta say Working backwards for the week, this was the thing that impressed me the most about today's game is a lot of strikeouts from our our pitchers got a lot of strikeouts. I know it's just the Marlins, but uh, a lot of strikeouts. And this was, a, I mean, a bullpen bullpen has to basically play a, a second game today, uh, and they, they held it together. They kept them to the one run. Uh, it was nice to see a nice game from Sir Anthony. Um, mm mm-hmm. The bullpen on the whole, I think uh, we saw a lot of guys come in and 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 maybe get their confidence back. What were your thoughts on today's game?
1: Um, I am happy we won the series. Like, my entire tone on how the Phillies are doing was dependent on this game, and that is entirely unfair, but it's entirely true. It's... Uh, the The bats went cold today. Up until the 14th inning, uh, where our second favorite Gene came through. Um but I was happy to see us hang around in a one run game. You know, the the problem with the Phillies is obvious. It's our it's our arms. You know, the starting pitching, I'm not ready to damn it yet. You know, Nola has you know, what, one good game, one bad game, one whatever, you know, yeah. like, you know, Arietta the same, Pavetta, well, Pavetta's Pavetta, Eflin, <laughs> you know, the same. I'm not ready to damn our starting pitching, but, man, I am uncomfortable with the bullpen. But a game like today, yes, it was only the Marlins, but they hung tough. Well, I mean,
2: it's only the Marlins, but only the Marlins hung what, fifteen runs on us the night before. Uh,
1: God, did it really get up to fifteen? Uh, it
2: was a lot of runs. It was uh, maybe it was ten to three. Uh, I think it was the it was actually the Nationals that hung fifteen on us this week. Yeah, uh, and maybe that's the bigger conversation is uh, if you want to talk about starting pitching, uh, is the problem? I mean, we know that our offense can score in bunches. We absolutely know that it can score in bunches, but the game of baseball being what it is. Sometimes you're, it's, it's hard to put up a big inning, especially when you're going up against major league pitching. Like, it's, it's just you can't count on There's a reason why there's not teams that put up 15 runs a game. Like, you're going to face team's best pitcher once every, you know, usually once every series you're going to be pitching. You're going to see somebody's, you know, one or two. So exactly. you're, you're going to see a guy who, you know, is making a lot of money to to get you out. So, you know, you have to be able to counter, you know, with your pitching and defense as well. There are three phases to baseball, and uh, you've got to be good at all three to win a championship. When – when it seems to me when our starting pitcher in this, you know, this past week when it's gone bad, it's gone nuclear. Um, yeah. Yeah to lose to get blown up by 15 runs against the Nationals to to lose that game the way we did to the Marlins I, I know we scratched off uh 3 runs late in that game uh and we could you know you could mic you know, you know put under the microscope a lot of the decisions in in that game and but I think really the bigger picture is are you concerned with it seems like when we get beat uh we get pulverized you know this is not that the <laughs> Phillies are getting beat by you know in a tight game where you know it was you know the person that had the last at bat was going to win um no, we're getting we're getting the doors blown off of us, uh, you know, to, to a to an alarming a point at least uh, in the two losses we had this week.
1: Yeah, I I feel like the first week of the Philly season was like all of our hopes, and this second week is like all of our nightmares. Yeah, and and even in all of our nightmares, you know, we won one series, we lost one series, but it's the bats go a little cold and our pitching is not shit and that's it. That's it. We can't compete. Right. And so it, I, I don't know what this team really is. I, I expected to be the, you know, the average of these first two weeks, but I I was happy to see, Again, it's only the Marlins. I was happy to pull uh, see so us pull up the series win. <sighs> I don't know, man. It, it's so it's so tough because it's such on like polar
2: opposites. The, I think the, 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 po- the I think the positive maybe they've got a real etch a sketch kind of brain uh, mentality yeah. with this team. Uh, they get the doors blown off of them one night, they come out and they, and they, and they, and they win the next day. Um, it, it felt to me last year that there had a tendency to, uh, they were big swings in momentum with that team last year. They would rattle off uh, a run of wins, um, and then they would rattle off a run of losses. Uh, you know, it was a lot of runs, uh, you know, not scoring runs, obviously, but, uh, you know, <laughs> streaks, they were very streaky, um. And early in the season, there was a lot of hot streaks. And then at the end of the season, my God, it was a cold streak. Um, this team, the one thing we kept clamoring for, and the one thing you, you hear a lot in baseball is, uh, and and usually we refer to it as a stopper, like as in a stopping uh, ace pitcher. Uh, that, you know, the the, the Doc Holliday, Halliday was, was always referred to as a stopper. You know, if you had a, a two ga- two losses in a row, if Doc was going, you knew that that streak was going to end. Doc was going to end that loss streak. Um you know, those teams in, 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 in 10 and 11, rarely would they lose, uh, you know, four or five games in a row. So what I feel like the thing that's different maybe about this Phillies team is you're not going to keep our offense down for two games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, we might have maybe for the first time in baseball, we might have that stopper offense. Now you didn't see it today, but I really do believe that this offense because you have such a—you've compiled such a, a group of very professional hitters. Um, guys like McCutcheon and Gene Segura, they just don't make bad outs. Um,
1: yeah. A couple of things on that, we see, we didn't see it today. One thing we saw today were a lot of men stranded on base. Like, in the latter innings, you know, one good single with, like, two men out, that could have been the game. We didn't have to go 14 innings. Like, we could have ended this game earlier. And, you know, when you're talking about that, like, you know, that stop, that stopper, we do have a stopper offense. There, there there's a lot of potency here. It is, it is a consideration. It's not like one big bat. It's not like a strong three, four, five. It's a strong one through six. Right. And you, you mentioned Kutch. Man, I fucking love him. Yeah. I I loved him when he wasn't on the fills. And I, you know, full honesty here, I had him on a fantasy team one year and he practically won the league for me by himself. And I don't know if he's a leadoff hitter. I kind of feel like he's better suited for a two, but all he does is like get on base. I he, mean, that that's what you want for a leadoff, but... He is oh.
2: very clutch as well. Like, he exactly. really is... is is He knows when the moment in uh, is that you need a, a really strong at-bat, and he always gives you a good at-bat. He is not an easy out. And, and as much as you love McCutcheon, and I really have been impressed by watching him too, I think maybe even more important has been Gene Segura. That yeah. guy and and we we've seen him have some not so great games but very rarely have i seen him have a bad at bat at all the guy never uh, you don't see him swing wildly and and every ball that he puts wood on I feel like it's going to be a hit the guy just is a really good very professional hitter and that is the opposite of what we had in this lineup last year we had a bunch of guys that just were not guys that knew how to get themselves on base this team knows how to get on base and that it really is like the culture of the lineup is we're just gonna we're gonna keep coming at you a game like this, if you're the Marlins, you've got to be the longer it goes, the more you've got to feel like you're in trouble. Because as you're getting deeper and deeper in your bullpen, uh, this lineup is going to look more and more and more intimidating.
1: Yeah, we we are lethal against, you know, adequate to sub-adequate pitching. But your point uh, about Segura is a really great one because we will work a fucking pitcher like If you're coming in with a pitch count, good luck because, yeah, all right, maybe you come in and have a one, two, three inning. And I'm sure somebody has, but I I don't remember a one, two, three inning against Phil's. Uh,
2: They are few and far between.
1: Yeah. It's, but, you know, maybe a one, two, three, four inning, but you are pitching a lot of balls to, to get into that. You know, every single one of them. And even think of uh, Reese Hoskins, you know, the stereotypical power hitter. I feel like he's seeing more balls this year. And he, the difference between this year and last year is tremendous.
2: Both Harper and Hoskins, I feel like one of the under undersold strength is that both of them are very good at being aware of the strike zone. And mm-hmm. they talked about Hoskins all the way through uh, my, the minor leagues is that he saw a lot of pitches and, and had a really good eye. And you can see why that's important, especially when you have a lot of guys around each other with that same mentality. And exactly, that's exactly the point. You're going to wear pitchers down. You're going to see a ton of pitches. And that's how they beat teams, is they wear them down. Uh, the problem, I think, that the Phillies have run into, at least in these last, you know, these laughers, is um, we've had—we've got a couple of— um, starting pitchers who rely on getting their fastball over. And I feel like and it, it's, people often say that offenses are going to be ahead of, uh, of pitcher sometimes, or, or pitchers are usually ahead of offenses in the, the start years. Uh, it takes a little while for the bats to warm up, but I feel like it's been the opposite with the Phillies this year. I feel like the pitchers came in way behind the hitters this year coming out of spring training. And some of our guys have just – their fastballs are just hard and straight, and, and professional hitters are going to hit – balls that are thrown hard and straight they're just going to tattoo that stuff and if that's what you've got on a given night you know you don't have any life on your fastball you don't have anything on your breaking ball uh you're gonna get you're gonna get hit around and the the nationals have a real good lineup too they have a real lethal lineup so if you start giving them fastballs to to tee off on they're gonna make it pay
1: yeah i i completely agree and That that national series, uh, that was the first series we lost of the year. And that was when we felt vulnerable. And your point about our pitchers, you know, what do we have? Two aces. You know, Arietta has been Arietta, you know, since he's been with the Phillies, there's been, you know, high moments. But he hasn't felt dominant. And Nola's fastball hasn't been there you know when nola's pitching a great game it's you know hitters look dumb like right. he throws a fastball straight down the middle and the, the and they timing's take just a little yeah. bit off and the guy swings and looks dumb
2: yeah so that's the th- and I, I i think that there's enough Potential on the in the in this we've got four guys I think some will hodgepodge together four guys in this rotation I I I still am of the belief that there's going to be another arm that's going to have to come in here whether it's Madison Bumgardner or, or Dallas Keuchel or somebody else that's that's out in the world I keep hearing the Dallas Keuchel may end up going to San Diego because uh, they've kind of started come off they've got a kind of a heart a hot start and uh, they're looking to add another arm as well. Um, So, you know, maybe a lefty that pitches to contact is not going to be a great fit here anyway. So we'll see. But, uh, you know, I feel like as long as the Phillies continue uh, keeping the pressure on the other teams in the division, we've got a lot of games coming up. We're we're in a stretch of 17 in a row. Uh, We've got a series that I'm really, really excited for coming up against the Mets. Uh, I'm really excited to see how we stack up against a guy like Syndergaard. Uh, So that's going to be a great game tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I I, I love wa- – you know, honestly, I would watch us play the NL East all year. I don't need to see us play yeah. anybody else. I I really loved watching the way that we played against these teams. I love the idea that now, like, when the Nationals play us against, I am so angry. You know, I've got my blood <laughs> up again about a team. Uh, so I'm excited to, for every National series. I'm, I've always hated the Mets. I'm excited for every Mets series. Uh, you know, the Marlins today, I mean, you had me for 14 innings, so –
1: <laughs> and for me, these first two weeks have actually met my expectations. Like the going into the season, you know, we made our predictions. We're all around 90 to 93 wins. You know, some of uh, a uh, couple of us think that wins of the division, you know, or a wild card we're not expecting to be easy we didn't expect this to be a cakewalk we expected to be a much better team and after the first week i had to talk myself down yeah i was like greatest team ever and then after this week i'm like okay you know looking at the two weeks combined this is the team i thought
2: right and i
1: it's gonna be a hell of a lot of fun this year like if, if you don't live and die with every game it's gonna be a hell of a lot of fun the uh I guess the main takeaway I have from these first two weeks is
2: I like this team. I I, I like looking at the lineup card every day and seeing if there's any changes. Uh, I like watching every at bat and knowing, you know, how things have been over the course of a series or how people have been coming into a week. Uh, I like thinking through who's going to be next out of the pen, uh, you know, looking at the other team's lineup and knowing, well, you've, you know, they've got lefties coming back. You know, who, who's it going to be? You know, is this a spot that we're going we're gonna to maybe uh, put Sir Anthony in the seventh because of where they are in the lineup? I love being able to think through baseball again because it's been a while since I've put that much mental energy into it. I just didn't yeah. commit that kind of mental energy to the team last year because – Honestly, they were just—I just didn't like them the way that I like this team. I I, and and that
1: mental energy wasn't rewarded, right? Like, it's—you know—we spent a lot of time early in this podcast history complaining about Gabe Kapler, and with this lineup, there's a lot less to complain about. But I don't know the old school baseball X's and O's of going where do you hit this guy and. That that tension of you know when you have Kutch and Sagara and Harper and Hoskins and Romuto, like uh, it, it's just you have to pitch to one of them yeah. and one of them gets on base and it's that that slow burn and I always I compared um, Mad Men the the TV series for people who didn't like the show Mad Men. I compared it to baseball because like the individual moments might be slightly boring, but it just compounded and compounded and the tension built slowly. And that is this season for the fills. Last season was so hit or miss. It was throwing my hands up of why are you batting this guy here? Why do you have this guy playing this position? This feels a lot more like old school baseball, and a lot of really talented players on our squad.
2: And the thing that frustrated me, maybe more than anything, the thing I've realized now that I hate more than anything to watch is bad baseball. Uh, yeah. I hate rooting for a team that, is, that plays the game badly. And nobody like last year's, uh, year's Phillies squad played defenses badly. I don't think I've ever watched a team that has played a part of the game as poorly and still— had a chance to to win their division um, that 's the frustrating <laughs> thing is they were they were in contention and you would watch it you know individual games and you'd be like, God damn it, if you could just figure out how to do Stuff that I've told seventh graders to do, <laughs> uh, you know, then my God, we could be leading this division by 10 games that that makes it makes it hard to really fall in love with the team uh, when when you just are so frustrated. But, you know, l- like uh, like I've like I've, with this team, they do those things right. You, you see them play so much better fundamentally. And that's the thing. They just needed to be average. You know, this is not a, the one thing that Gabe Kapler has said, and I feel like you, you, you see it in a game to game moment to moment, kind of, you see uh, some point in the game where, where this comes out, this axiom, they want to play defense as offense. Uh, You see them be aggressive defensively. Uh, Last year, they, they were bad defensively and they were timid defensively, which was a terrible combination. (laughs) Um, this year they, they play the game and you can do that when you have a guy like real Muto as your catcher, a great defensive catcher. Uh, you gotta be strong up the middle. They, they, and they are now they're very strong up the middle. Um, so I'm impressed by a lot of that. I think that's one of the reasons why the whole city at large, despite all the the you know, and maybe because of a lot of the the hype going in. But I think that if they had come in hyped and and fallen flat on their faces, you would have heard a lot of uh, you know anger early. But this team, they know how to draw you in, and uh, you know it's it's like a beautiful woman that knows how to dress. You know,
1: <laughs> she, she knows you know, how to I'm, she, I'm they know how jump to, up. I'm going to jump off that analogy because when you were describing this, Gene, like, I'm thinking of it's not just Bryce Harper. Right. Like, yeah, Bryce Harper was the final nail in the coffin. Or or for some fans, it was the only nail in the coffin. But if you're saying it's a beautiful woman who, who does know how to dress or doesn't know how to dress, all right, well, m- maybe Bryce Harper is the supermodel, but all of the players around him are the like top end designers right like they know how to dress and this is getting quite a strained analogy but (laughs) they know how to dress him like in like haute couture they know how to compliment him and yeah bryce was the biggest piece but like i swear i'm this close to buying a, a mccutcheon jersey oh yeah you know it's and uh, Gene Segura, which we have talked about more tonight than we've ever talked about in this show outside of his initial signing. It, it's just it, it's just great to see great players.
2: So, uh, speaking about beautiful women, uh, have the Flyers found a coach yet?
1: <laughs> they have not. Um, although Elaine Vigneault does sound like a, a name of a, a beautiful French woman um and i don't want to hire him but no coach so far and uh we have permission to interview elaine Vigneault. i know dave Tippett has been in town
2: so give me and... a, give me the, the the short story on it, both these guys you know we all know the 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 lore of coach q uh, but my knowledge of uh assistant coaches and other uh, you know available guys in the in the nhl might be a little bit uh light here so uh you know What's the appeal for either of these, these, these candidates?
1: Hi. Well, both of them are fine. Like, anyone who tells you that either one of these coaches is horrible and a, a bad decision um, or is a automatic slam dunk isn't really telling you the truth. Dave Tippett uh, made his bones with the uh, Arizona slash Phoenix Coyotes. And that tells you enough because they had a small window of success, meaning winning a playoff round with Ilya Brisgalov in net. I think going as far as the Western Conference Finals and then losing to, I want to say Detroit in seven games, but I don't know if that was the Western Conference Finals. But Dave Tippett really managed a Detroit squad and got them to play above their heads. And they played a defensively responsible system, a slightly boring system, but a good one. Dave Tippett, by all accounts, is a a really smart, really competent, uh a really good coach at playing into the assets he has and not necessarily just playing a system. Right. I remember talking to, and this is not the first time it came up in the show, but I remember talking to both Gene and Dave about when Hacksaw came in and the system he was trying to play. And I was like, man, if we had the players to meet this, it's going to be a really good system. And I think eventually we got the players, but by the time we got the players, the system changed, and they never seemed to jive. It never seemed to be we were playing the best system for the players we had and if you want that Dave Tippett's probably a pretty good call now for Elaine Vigneault it's tough because his last years in New York kind of you know poisoned the well for me his last years in New York he seems like he was coaching for his job He was playing a lot of veterans over kids which obviously we don't want here Right. And he was playing the conservative option of you know Lord with Stahl brothers there. I want to say Mark Stahl. You know, he's playing Mark Stahl, who was a little more aggressive, and he had injury problems, but that's neither here nor there. But he, playing Mark Stahl fewer minutes than he should have, playing really conservative D-Men. He he was just making the safe picks in New York towards the end. But he had a lot of success with Vancouver. He came into New York and took them to the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, uh, adding a coach to a team is just like adding a player. You know, it's it's not going to be the same guy for every team. So I wouldn't hate Vigneault. I'd like Dave Tippett. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux has, you know, gotten the you know, vote of confidence in Minnesota. So he's not on the board. I, I just don't want Bilesma. I know I said before, I'll say it again. I'd be okay with Vigneault. I'd be happy with Tippett.
2: And do you think all these guys, I mean, obviously I feel like the, the option is not to stand Pat on Scott Gordon, but are, are these guys are
1: all upgrades from,
2: from what we have in place right now?
1: I don't know. I really don't know. Because, I mean, uh, dude,
2: there's a certain part of me that's like, if you're not going to upgrade, why make a change again?
1: And that's and I agree with you. I heard some people, Um, I think it might be in Broad Street Hockey. And, you know, there's a lot of great people there. And I can't think who exactly said it, but they didn't like the idea of bringing Gordon back and then making a quick change. They kind of thought it would have been another lost season. Where I'm like, you bring him back, make him the full-time coach, and let him have his time at camp. Let him put his system in. You know, he's, he's said all the right things in the exit interviews. He doesn't like the shots from the point. He, you know, wants the team to be more responsible defensively. Shane Goss' bear was playing injured. Right. Which isn't a surprise, but it's irksome that maybe he should have sat out for a bit, but whatever. Like I am, I would rather go Gordon over Vigneault, um, probably tip it over Gordon, uh, Gordon over Bilesma. I, I, I think he's done enough to get a, another chance and uh, Chuck Fletcher should be supplementing this team. Yeah, I think he's so, going to. Yeah, like like the, you know, coming from, was it, Dave Scott uh, with Comcast, mm-hmm. the, the edict is to improve this team. Coming from Paul Holmgren, the edict is to live up to Ed Snyder's legacy and keep improving.
2: I really do feel like they want to make one real serious run, at least one more serious run with Claude Giroux before he's not an effective player you know what i mean i feel like you've you've got enough time that you can put together a a serious run i feel like you you've answered the biggest question at least i feel like you've answered the biggest question that we've had in Flyerdom, you know, as long as I've been following the team, is is who is going to stop the puck, you know? So we, we have a goalie. I feel like we, we really seriously have, for the first time in a long time, other than, I guess, Brizgalov, the great Brizgalov experiment, we know who the goalie <laughs> is going in, who's going to be the A. Uh, we just need to get a real solid B. And and the rest of the team can be improved. We've always been able to, to find the other kinds of players. We've never been able to find a goalie. But... I feel like that's that's going to be what is going to make the season more next year. And very honestly, I thought that once Hackstall and Hextall were gone, there was not anything that Scott Gordon did that made me go, "This guy can't coach." The team seemed to play way above what was to me their level. Uh, under him, this was a team that at Christmas time I would not have thought that that, as late in the season as they were, was going to be in playoff contention. Uh, you know, we had had a show that was lose for Hughes, uh, and, and we did that unironically. We really thought that that was where we were at in the season. So I, I can't fault Scott Gordon, and I, I don't really necessarily want to bring in somebody else just to say that we've changed the coach. You know, maybe there was some part of that run that can be attributed to this guy. I, I feel like I just don't know
1: enough to say that it was his doing or his fault and and those are really good points gene and they like playing for him like that was consensus and you could tell you could tell they liked playing for him and they played at like a you know uh 75 clip you know I, i forget what it was it was like you know 752 or 751 whatever it was for you know from january 10th i know the date it's the day we recorded the damn loser hughes show and they turned it around and went through um all of Uh, the rest of january all of february and half of march and then
2: they just ran out of gas they literally just i feel like they literally just found like ran out of gas they were playing at such a high level for so long uh, it was just unsustainable you know what i mean they they just couldn't sustain that sort of sort of uh sort of thing and i which is an interesting segue because i want to talk just briefly what is going on at the eastern conference playoffs, chuck what is happening
1: <laughs> well, that's what I was just going to say. Like when you were saying it's not sustainable, my first like the the words coming to my lips were, you know, for anybody but Tampa who are now down three to nothing in their series, which is insane. I put it out on Twitter uh, this week. Uh, I was so tempted. I was thinking of those 96 uh, Red Wings, and I'm pretty sure it was the Sharks they lost to in the first round. I'm like, well, this is the best team since that 96 Red Wings series. Mayo they'll lose in the first round. Yeah, that Red Wings team won the President's Cup, right? They did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, handily. They're, I think And they got swept. Yeah. And, like, I was thinking, I'm like, well, maybe. And I didn't have much faith in Columbus. When they uh, – we talked um, – either i think we i feel like we talked trade deadline day um although that was a monday so maybe we talked shortly thereafter but um or right before i feel like it might yeah, be right before right before yeah. yeah well yeah we record on sunday so you know we'll inside we baseball a, we, here
2: we had a kind of a, a kind of an idea of what columbus might do going into trade deadline day i mean it, it, was, it, it seemed like they so
1: much yeah and, and and then they didn't see immediate results they Really struggled out out of the gate, and I was like, Oh, it's gonna be funny. They added for the first time in their history, they didn't sell off Bob, they didn't sell off Panarin, and they're not gonna make it. But I think quietly, they ended the season, I think, winning seven of eight.
2: Yeah, they went in and, real
1: strong. Yeah, and my god, they look strong. Like they are a team to be reckoned with outside of the first period of the first game of this year. So, uh, Columbus all the way. They're they're really something to look at. Um, and I feel like if they get by the Lightning,
2: then I mean it's like all bets are off. Like, oh
1: yeah, if, if the Lightning route out, it is all bets are off. Yeah. Um. The the Bruins and uh, the Leafs.
2: I watched a little of that game last night. You know, it's 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 an interesting series to me.
1: Yeah. Well, it should be. That series should go seven. And I feel like the first game was more entertaining than the second game. But that series, you know, there are pretty compatible teams. Like, they're they're right up against one another. And the Penguins. Oh, man. I picked the Penguins to advance. I'm so happy to be wrong. That, was, that is some 3-0. sweet, sweet
2: uh, scheidenfreude going on with that.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's – and – Remember at the you know start of the season, I picked the Flyers to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and obviously that didn't happen. But I feel like the um, Islanders could be that team. I felt like the Flyers were, and I they're gonna uh, take over. They're gonna pass the Pens and go off to face. Uh, maybe the Capitals. Capitals are up to nothing. I, I don't think Carolina has it you know to come back from down to nothing. Um so it'll be Islanders Capitals and Blue Jackets versus the Bruins or the Leafs so far the way the Blue Jackets are playing you have to favor them but the so the east is wide open the west is going about as well as I predicted. Yeah. Um some people would say that you know, Washington. Uh, sorry, um, Winnipeg being down to the Blues would be a surprise, but I kind of saw that happening with our old friend Craig Berube. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, I love the NHL playoffs. Always do. The first round is my favorite.
2: I, I I've been keeping particular eye on Nashville cuz uh I still love me some Wayne Simmons. Uh yeah. he went out with a bit of an injury. He took a took a puck uh puck to the knee. Was it last night or the night before? Is there any I, report on whether or not he's okay? I
1: I haven't I haven't been on top of that. I I feel like it was last night. But no, I don't know if he's okay. Uh the Stars are are giving it to uh to the Preds. Um but and so far it's tied one, one. And here's my thing about the hockey playoffs is it's almost like a second season. And I, 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 I say, I, I was like looking for the phrase and they refer to it as the second season. So right. that's not creative, but it's two months long and your first two rounds, you know, are a month. Your second two rounds are a month. So if you make it past two rounds, you are like literally a different team than who played the regular season. So it's just survival at this point. Um, but yeah, hopefully Simmer comes back, continues to play with Lavi, or they get eliminated in the first round. Lavi comes to Philly, one or the other. Uh, but I wouldn't it, mind
2: having it, Lavi let back.
1: No, I'd love him back. I love him back. He'd he's. One of my favorite Flyers coaches of all time.
2: One of my favorite stories is when I was in Nashville on vacation. I I actually saw it was Laviolette had just gotten there. It was the year that he started. Uh, We were there in September, so I guess probably around like training camp time. And uh, I'm walking by, and uh, Laviolette's just walking across the other side of the street (laughs) right across from me. And uh, I think my wife said, uh, why don't you go and say hi to him? I was like, he is a very busy man. He's got a lot to do. He doesn't need to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but i bet you knowing what i've seen about or what i've heard about laviolette he probably would have uh probably would have been happy to take a selfie with me because that just seems like the kind of guy he is I'll, I'll never forget he was wearing like a hot pink like bubba watson driver pink <laughs> polo shirt never forget it and it all comes back to bubba watson it all comes back to bubba
0: and now it's time to go to chuck's penalty box
1: All right. Thank you, Dave. And we will start with Gene. Gene, who is in your penalty box tonight? I don't actually know who I need to
2: put in my penalty box, but somebody needs to go in the penalty box for the way that that announcement of the uh, the All Star game for Philadelphia is being handled. They keep talking, like trotting out this. There's going to be a big surprise announcement. It's the least surprising announcement in the history <laughs> of an announcement. They, we all know that in in 2026 the Phillies are going to have the the All Star game. Now we we all knew that. I don't know how this got bungled, but basically a week in advance, we all find out on Twitter and now we're going to have a we're going to have a big press conference and we're going to have all these former Phillies and it's it's going to be secret and we're going to have the the commissioner of baseball. <laughs> yeah, we know what it is. It's not a secret. Why don't they just say like we're going to have the big announcement like the All-Star Game kickoff or some, whatever. Why are we being all coy about it being some kind of secret thing i don't know who to put in there maybe maybe we just put in let's put in mr met i'm gonna blame mr met for this <laughs> he's a good scapegoat i'm i'm certain that mr met was behind this whole fiasco so mr met you need to go on the penalty box for the way the all-star game was handled
1: all right well mr met is going in for past crimes against philadelphia and the fact that we all knew the Bicentennial and a half. I don't know what the hell we're calling it. Was going to be in Philadelphia. So, Mister Matt, you get two hundred and fifty minutes in the penalty box. Mister Matt in the penalty box. Dave, who is in your penalty box this evening? All right,
0: for my penalty box this week, I have a couple of Nicks I want to put in there, okay. uh, but not not Nick Algier, a friend of the podcast, and not Nick Foles. <laughs> Uh, For once, but I am going to put Nick Capretti and Nick Gore into my penalty box. Look, we got we got a lot of weird shit going on in Philadelphia these days. We got people eating horse shit. We got people running into poles on the subway. Uh, But these two lunatics make a bet on whether Reese Hoskins is going to hit a home run or not. And if he does, Nick Gore has to drink a Bud Light from his goddamn boot. Evidently, this is called a shoey. It's another thing that we're taking from soccer that doesn't need to be taken from <laughs> anything. They uh, much and smaller shoes that, in soccer, too. Reese Hoskins didn't do that many favors because he hit two home runs that game. So this jackass drinks two beers uh, from, from, his, from his footwear at a Phillies game. Philadelphia, you're better than that. You don't have to degrade yourself doing these disgusting things. And then when you do them, we really don't need to put it on social media and advertise that we're doing them. Uh, so for that, you know, these two nicks represent Philly a little better
1: than that. All right, we got a couple of nicks going in the penalty box along with Dave's foot phobia. Uh, both nicks are getting uh, five minute majors, and you're in the box for inhospitable footwear, drinking appliances. I don't know. So in soccer, I soccer phobia over fetish. By yeah. the way, so
2: thank you. In in soccer, do they drink them out of like your 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 spikes? You know, like the your soccer shoes because they're very small. I don't know how you get a whole beer into one of those things. Isn't uh, there like yeah. a
1: glass boot thing? I don't know. That's a German drinking thing. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? Well, thank you for the uh, segue. But I need to go back to yours real quick. When you said a couple of nicks, I thought you were. Th- talking about new york knickerbockers i'm like like patrick ewing going to be in your penalty box so that that's where i was oh no literal it. Knicks. yes literal Knicks. so who is in my penalty box it's a, a tough one but all i have to say is e-a-g-l-e-s, uh, eagles! i know, where you're going I know where you're going we're going watching a phillies game yeah yeah it's everywhere man I know it's everywhere. I've been to Pearl Jam concerts where I've heard the Eagles cheer. I've I've been in Italian markets where nothing is going on and I've heard the Eagles cheer. It's it's fine. It's the Philadelphia mating call. I don't care, but <laughs> it shouldn't be at Phillies games yet. Like if this season is done in August if all of our dreams, you know, all of our hopes and ambitions for this team have fallen away, and in August we're not competing, bring on the Eagles cheer. But to start the year, what are we two weeks in? No, save your Eagles cheers. Now is not the time. Yeah, I heard
0: the uh, I heard the cuz basically say that that's like a Philadelphia not mating call, but that's like our rally cry.
2: We just do the Eagles chant to rally it's,
1: everyone?
0: It's acceptable to do it anywhere. But, I, I mean, I'm with oh, you. See, I kind of disagree. It, on.
1: No, it's it—it's upstaging the Phillies. This is not all of Philadelphia. This is not a Philadelphia rally cry. It is for the Eagles. Yeah. And and I'm certain the cuz – I'm surprised the cuz didn't call it. It's a violation, cuz. That's a violation. Bo, Bo, Bo. It's Fugazi, Oh. so much better i'm I'm thinking of kicking myself in the penalty box but for um incessant eagle cheers you're getting a double minor uh for the eag and then the les uh eagles and you're in
2: the penalty box chuck do you feel the same way about the uh the wild let's go flyers chance that sometimes are up places
1: um I'll let you know when they happen.
2: No I I've, I've been to to Phillies what? games you know like in the summer when the when the, the Flyers are on a playoff run where you'll hear a you'll hear a, a let's go Flyers at a Phillies game.
0: Uh, well I think if... that's acceptable the Flyers are in the playoffs and they exactly. score. Exactly.
1: Yeah, if this is uh 2010 and Doc is like pitching a perfect game and the Flyers are in the first game of the Stanley Cup final then a let's go flyers chant is perfectly acceptable provided it's done at the right speed. It can't be let's go flyers. It has to be old school spectrum. Let's go flyers. Boom, 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 boom. I don't know when it changed and it got quicker, but I didn't like it. It's the millennials, man. They're speeding everything up. Damn them. They're off of the <laughs> toast.
0: All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today for, uh, for our show this week. Um, Please remember, if you have a a moment or two to go onto iTunes, uh, give us a a review, give us a rating, uh, subscribe to the show if you haven't done that already. Uh, That would really, really help us out. Um, Also, please follow us on all all forms of social media that, well, all the forms that we are active on, which would be (laughs) Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram. Also check out our sister's show, The Whip Around, for all your weird and uh, comedy news or weird news with comedy, I guess I should say. (laughs) Um, But but we'll be right back with you uh, next Monday where uh, hopefully we're talking about a a Sixers playoff uh, series victory. And, uh, and, and, and more series wins from the Phil. So have a great day at work, everybody.